I want to talk to you about knowing Jesus today. It's it's a bit pretentious if I approach this subject with a mindset that I know Jesus, you don't know Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. It's not that. Knowing Jesus, it's, it's not something that I can tell you about. It's something that you need to experience yourself, right? The concept of knowing someone is uh, something that we understand differently, right? Uh, I know knowing someone is not the same as knowing about someone, right? I know about the I know about the president of Indonesia. I know his name. I know the name of his wife. I know uh, where he comes from. Uh, I know when uh, he was in office, uh, and those um, superficial information that I have about him. But I don't know really much personally about the person. I know about um, I know about Ellen, for example. I know Ellen. Uh, goes to MPC. I know her last name, Ellen Subiantoro. I know that Ellen uh, play keyboard. I know Ellen uh, likes uh, meatballs because she she spends a lot of time there. And but those are the things that I know about about her. I cannot say personal things about Ellen. But if we ask uh, William, for example, right? William, I got the name right. Maybe uh, tell tell us about Ellen, and then his answer will be different. He won't be saying to you, you know, Ellen is a woman, she plays keyboard. Uh, his answer would be something more like, oh, Ellen is is my is the love of my life, for example. Ellen is my companion, she's my one and only. The things that I cannot say, uh, because the difference between my answer and William's answer is that one is superficial and the other one is intimate. Because there's a, a different degree of knowledge, although we are talking about the same person. And when God tells us, uh, his creation, humanity, to know him, what sort of knowledge that God wants us to have about him? It's not knowing about God. It's it's actually knowing him as, as to know a person. That's why there's even a command in the Bible, know the Lord, know the Lord. It's not something you say about an object that is dead. And you can know about it, but you cannot actually know and interact with, with that something. But because our God is alive, you can know Him, and you should know Him. And we are told to know Him, to get to know Him, get to know God. It's not about know about God. It's, it's come on, get to know Him. He's a person. Experience Him. Talk to Him. If someone tells me, well, what is what is God like? What is He like? I want to know about Him. Well, you can read books about God, but the best way to go is to... Just go to your own room and lock the door and, and just ask him, God, I want to know you. Show yourself. Now, uh, it doesn't always the experience that you will ex- uh, you will have God standing in front of you in a, in a glorious appearance. Uh, but and, and sometimes it takes time. It, it takes uh, small impressions that we feel in our heart. But knowing God is something that is lively. It's not just about uh, what we know as... I know about the president or I know about uh, historical figures. But I know, knowing God is like I know my wife. It's like I know my friends. It's like the way I know my uh, my family. I have time spent with them. I have experience with them. Then I get to know them. Then they get to know me. Let us read a passage in the Bible. Okay. Quiz. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples. Jesus asked the disciples. How many disciples Jesus said? Twelve. Okay, good. And this is a question. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who, who, who do people say I am? 
And then people say, well, uh, some say John the Baptist, good, good. Uh, some say Elijah, okay, who else? And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus said, okay, okay, good answer, something like that. It's not written there. And then Jesus asked a second question. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? But who do you say I am? The first question was, what do you know about me? What do people say about me? But then the second question comes, he says, and what about you? What do you think? Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Uh, by the way, we will read um, the next few verses later. This is a good answer. This is the right answer, by the way. But I want to highlight the difference between these two questions. Now, the first question is something that um, you can answer by getting yourself involved in enough, uh, you know, reading information and study. And you, you get to know about him. I study theology, so I know there are so many people who know about Jesus. They write books so thick and, and journals in the latest peer-reviewed first-year theology journals about who Jesus is. But these people don't necessarily experience Jesus in their life as a living God and Savior. They can write about Jesus very eloquently. This is what uh, the historical uh, background says in the Aramean context, uh, in the Judaism context, in regards to the uh, Dead Sea Scroll tradition, in regards to the, this group and that group. And uh, we analyze what's written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the original Greek text and such and such things that that will put you to sleep when you read about what they write. Uh, things that, unfortunately, I have to read. But then, even actually, there is a, a group of scholars called the Jesus Seminar. Uh, it's quite interesting that these people don't actually believe in Jesus, but they are experts in Jesus. They are experts in historical and theological studies about Jesus. These are the people who basically can answer very eloquently the first question. What do you know about Jesus? Who, what do people say about Jesus? Who do they say I am? And when we talk about Jesus, what kind of answer do we give people? Do we give them informative answers? Oh, Jesus is good. Uh, you know the answers to my quiz, basically. What do you know about Jesus? Oh, Jesus, he was born in... Bethlehem, the name of his mother was Mary. He had 12 disciples, one gone astray, 11 left, was, the, was then uh, replaced by Matthias. Jesus died at the age of 33. The things that I know about the president, you know, the, the superficial informational thing, not the, not the personal thing. But if you are asked, especially each one of us who, who calls ourselves a Christian, a follower of Jesus, Come on, tell me about Jesus. If someone asks you that, can you give the person a personal answer? Can you tell them what you know about Jesus, not what you know about Jesus from your knowledge, but what you know, how you know Jesus from your experience and what sort of uh, story you have with Jesus? Do you have a story with Jesus? That's probably an easier way of saying it. And... The difference between the first question and the second question is that, again, the, the, the second question involves a confession. It involves something that comes from the heart. What, what do you think about Jesus? How have you experienced him? What have you known him as? And oftentimes, uh, 
when we read the Bible, we we can tell that Christianity is is put forth not as a conceptual religion, but as an experience to be had. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God is talking about physical senses, taste and see. You can only taste and see something that is tangible. You cannot taste and see a, a philosophical concept. No matter how uh, interesting it is, it's still a concept. But God is not a concept. God says, taste and see that I am good. You need to you need to know that He is real. He is a person. He's not a, a, some dead historical figure. He, Jesus is alive. Through the Holy Spirit in our heart, which is the Spirit of Christ Himself, we can know Jesus and we can experience Him still in this day of age. Why is it important for us to know Jesus? Because that's what God wants us to know. That's what God wants us to have. Our level of knowledge must be at that. If your answer to who is Jesus, if your answer to that question is the same as someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, then you need to check what happened to my relationship with Jesus. If you ask uh, William about Ellen and the answer he could give is only as good as my answer, that's not good enough. Ellen won't be happy. He needs to have a better answer, a, a deeper and a more intimate answer because they have a different level of relationship compared to me and Ellen. If people ask you about Jesus and your answer is superficial, then what happens to your relationship with Jesus? What happens to your experience with Jesus? Can you tell him a story about, about how he is involved in your life? Not 15 years ago, not 20 years ago, by some once of experience that you had. But what about this week? What about the past few days? What about this month? Have you experienced that God is alive and, and, and He is really someone who is present in your life? If, if you ask me, uh, Cornel, how, how are you this week? Then uh, I cannot exclude Edna or Winnie in my story because they are part of my life. They are so deeply involved in my life that I cannot tell you about my week without mentioning their name. Right? Uh, if you ask me, how are you this month? I can tell you my whole month experience without mentioning uh, Jing, for example. Because maybe this month I, I don't meet Jing. But I cannot do that uh, with my wife or my daughter. Because I meet them every day. I experience them every day. I have time spent with them every day. And when people ask us about our testimony about Jesus, is it fresh? Is it something that, that happened just now? Is it something... Or is it an old story that gets buried in our old file? And we can... Like, oh. ah, yeah, I remember actually, in 1997, I experienced, or maybe some of you not born yet, but what about this year? What about this month? What about this week? Do we have a story when people ask us about Jesus? Can we say something out of our own heart, out of our own experience? More than had knowledge, but something that is in our heart. I experience Jesus as, as such and such. God wants us to know Him personally and intimately. I want to take you to a, in a short tour on a, some verses in the Old Testament. I want to take you to some stories next. You know, there are many names given, uh, not given, uh, there are many names uh, of God in the Bible. This is one of them. Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Jireh. Uh, some of you, uh, if you know some songs even, um, it gets mentioned quite a few times. There's a story behind this name. One day Ab Abraham was told by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. And when he was about to kill Isaac, 
An angel came and said, Stop! Look! Uh, a sheep, a lamb, or a goat has been provided. Uh, a ram, actually. He took. Don't kill your son. This is the sacrifice. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horn in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Of course, God is not into child sacrifice. He was testing Abraham. But can you imagine uh, the relief of the father's heart when he knows that he doesn't have to kill his one and only beloved son. But a ram was provided to replace the son. How? Oh, oh, I don't have to kill Isaac, my beloved son. And then he experienced something that God has provided a sacrifice. And from there, he came to know the Lord as something. God is a God who provides. I will call him Jehovah or Yahweh Jireh. God who provides. A character of God, a side of God's personality that Abraham came to know because he experienced something. He experienced God as someone who provides, then he knows God as a provider. It's like when you play a game, you know, uh, one of those games in your mobile apps. You're taken to a, a journey and then you complete a task, then ding, there's a, a new skill learned. A new knowledge unlocked. I think in, in our walk with God, it's like that. He will take you to a certain experience for you to see another side of God, another dimension of His personality that you may have already known this far in your concept, in your mind, but now you get to experience it. That day Abraham experienced God as the Lord who provides, and he calls Him God, my provider, Jehovah Jireh. And then the next one, in Exodus, Moses, you know, he went into battle. And after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua, Joshua the protege. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So they were in a battle and they're not supposed to win, but they, they won because God was with them. And through this experience, Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. The more, the, actually, the Lord is my banner of, of victory, something like that. And through that experience of going through war and victory, Moses came to experience God as the God who gives victory, Jehovah Nisi. He came to know another aspect of, of God, that God is really God who gives me victory. And I will call him Jehovah Nisi because I have experienced victory. You cannot experience victory without going to battle. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not nice. We don't want to go to battle. We don't want to go to war. We wish life is just calm and nice. But you will never experience God as a God who gives victory if you don't go through struggle. Isn't it? Um, one time I, I heard a testimony from my, from my mentor. This is a long time ago how how he was in a in a in a financial need, and then miraculously, God provides for him, and said, "Wow, God is my provider." I I heard these kind of testimonies a lot, and I I thought to myself, "Wow, I want to experience something like that. Isn't it cool?" But then I I regretted my decision because in order for me to experience God as provider, I would have to go to needs. 
I would have to go through time of lacking. Then I will know him. If my life is all good, everything is provided for me by my parents, my job is secure, my bank account is always full. Yeah, I, I can still know and believe that God is my provider. It, but it's not my personal experience. I cannot tell you that God is my provider out of my own personal experience. But then when I go through that, and I see that God provides, I can tell you that God is indeed my provider. Next story. Gideon, a bit fast forward. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I am doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He's in God himself face to face. He's supposed to die. It's all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is my peace. Read the story of Gideon in Judges. This is a, a guy, he's almost a boy, a teenager, who lived in fear. He was uh, threshing the wheat at night because he was scared of the enemy. Uh, he was hiding uh, in constant fear. That's his life. He, uh, the, the nation Israel was under foreign occupation. They're very mean. So he was constantly in fear. And to add to that fear, now he, he has to meet God face to face. And now... He's even more fearful because he thinks he's going to die because God is so holy and he's not. But in the midst of all his fear and anxiety, God says, don't worry. And he has come to know God as God who instills peace, despite of the circumstances, despite of his concept of how scary God is. Then he comes to know God as Yahweh Shalom, as Yahweh Shalom, God who gives peace. And you can read in many times in the Bible, God reveals himself to people, not by saying it. Sometimes he does say it, but oftentimes he, he brings people through a certain experience so that in the end, they come to a conclusion of God, a right conclusion of God. Job was uh, a man who lived in security. He's quite rich. Uh, he had everything, nothing to worry about. Life is good every day. And then one day he lost everything. But in the end of his experience, he said, Before, I know you. I knew you only from what people said. But now, I've experienced you myself. How many of us want to have an experience with Jesus so that we have a, a, a solid testimony about him? So that we have an experience about him? And then we can answer the question, not like the rest of the disciples. Oh, this is what people say about you. This is what people say about you. You are such and such. I can write uh, a 50-page essay about who Jesus is. But who do you say I am? Personally, what do you think about me? Can we answer that from our own story with God? Do we have a story with God? And that's, that's the question. We need to experience God personally. Let's uh, read the, the next part of the passage. And then the, this is the continuation. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means a rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys or the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. 
with uh, his answer. Uh, it was it was spot on. Jesus, yes, correct. And then came not only compliment, but this is what Jesus said. Peter, on this rock I will build my church. If we read the story in in a if we read the narrative, you know, in a straight line, the the church was built, was declared to be built at that time. Maybe if we if we have to to be asked if a church was an institution, when was it built? It, it was that very day. The church the church was established as we know it today. And it was established after a dialogue of question and answer. After the answer was given. And I think this is a very important aspect of our ministry. When we build our ministry, when we build the church, we cannot have any other foundation than the knowledge of God revealed in Christ Jesus. Who do you say I am? Not what people say, but what about yourself? What about us as the body of Christ? What have we experienced Christ as? And that is the basis of our ministry. The church was built upon that confession. The church was built upon the confession of the knowledge of God revealed in Christ Jesus. Who do you say I am? And we cannot build our ministry or the church on, on any other foundation than the knowledge of God, the knowing Jesus. Personally, again, not only from study. But from study, then easy. You can just go to Kurong, no, even Google. Google about Jesus. But no, no, no. You only Google that stuff. A living person, you need to experience. You get to know them. You don't Google them. You don't just Google them. You have to, you have to talk to them. You have to spend time with them. If I want to know about uh, Rebecca more, I, I cannot Google her. Maybe a few things will come up about Rebecca. But if I want, if I want to know, really, I better spend time. Yeah. Rebecca, let's, let's have coffee and let's talk. And then I will know what's in her heart. What is her concern? What does she like? What, what does she doesn't like? Things like that. And yeah, knowing Jesus, we read our Bible, we listen to the sermon, we podcast and YouTube. There's so many good preachers, not so many, I think, not so good preachers as well. Uh, but then, in the end, what do you hear? Does it translate in your heart, in your life, as something that you experienced? I shared this in the in City Indo last week. And I shared this in the in the cell as well. I went to uh, Jessica's cell and Andrew's cell last Friday, experiencing God. Right. I remember one time. Uh, so experiencing God, there are two things. First, it's between us and God. It's 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 something that we need. We need we need to know Him personally. And secondly, it's about our ministry as well. We cannot serve the Lord properly until we know Him. You know, you cannot serve someone, you cannot love someone until you know the person properly, right? I remember one day I was in a I was in a meeting. Right? Oh, I almost finished. Alan, can you? Oh. <clears throat> one day I was in a meeting with my friends in church. I was in Indo back then. Uh, I was part of a a youth ministry. It was. It's quite a decent size youth ministry. It's not so big. I think we had about two hundred people in our congregation. Um, and one time we had a meeting. Uh, the leaders, me and some other friends. Yeah, I think including Tony, my friend, who came to preach in City Indo two weeks ago. Um, my my youth pastor was there, and uh, all the coordinators. And we had a meeting. It was it was a heated discussion about the programs and the activities. And this and that, and in the middle of that uh, debate and meetings, you know, meeting always come with debates slash debates. 
suddenly my my friend one of my friends said stop 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 let's let's stop talking about the ministry i have a question i want you to answer my question all of you and he asked who do you think is jesus and i wasn't so happy with the question i think nobody was happy with the question we were like come on We are busy. We need to talk about this program, this activity, this and that. That is so basic question. We are all workers, leaders here. We've been Christian for many years. We go to Sunday school. We know the question. We know the answer. That's the thing you ask in Sunday school. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God. Let's let's move on. That's that's too basic. We don't like uh, that kind of question. What's the purpose of asking that? If he had said something like, "Guys, guys, come on, stop. Let's not not talk about the ministry too much on the program. Answer me." What is the purpose of the ministry? It's more like a, you know, a good approach management-wise. Guys, let us stop talking about ministry. Let's stop talking about the projects and activities. Let me ask you one basic question. What is the mission of the church? It's, it sounds more makes sense. He said, no, 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 no. Let's, let's not talk about other things. Answer this one question. Uh, he actually insisted that each one of us answered one by one. So we were like in Sunday school. Yeah. And nobody, everyone answered with the face like, yeah, I'm Jesus. But he insisted that each one of us answered his question one by one. Who do you think Jesus is? Cornelius, who do you think Jesus is? And many years later, I, again, as I read this passage, I, I know that it's, it's always valid to ask the question. It's never too old. It's uh, it's something that we keep asking ourselves in the midst of our ministry and, and and the things we build as we speak of high spiritual things. We need to go back to the basic and ask, hey, who is Jesus for us? Who is Jesus for MPC? Who is Jesus for me as a pastor? Who is Jesus for me as one of the church workers, as a cell leader? Who is Jesus for me as a person who comes to MPC? Is he someone... That I know, you know, like the first question, oh, you are a prophet, you are this, you are that. You can give really good and long answer. Or is he someone whom you know personally? And yeah, like I said, sometimes you, you, you go through experiences that are not so nice. So that you can experience how God, how, how nice God is. Right? One time, I told this story in Andrew's cell. One time, I, I went through a, a period of, of a mini depression. I was quite uh, sad. Sad is an understatement. I was quite depressed, actually. Uh, I spent my days uh, looking very gloomy. You know, you know those days when you don't look forward to waking up. You open your eyes and you see your troubles in front of you. And you look forward to the night where you can sleep and forget about everything. Only to wake up and find the troubles again. Life is the same. And in those times, of course, I was a Christian. I remember one night I had a dream and in my dream I met Jesus. He came to me and he touched me. He touched my heart, he touched my head. The next morning I woke up, I felt very different. I felt very light. Something has changed. My situation was the same. The problem was the same. But that night for me, God took the time to to meet me in my depressed state, to heal me. To remind me that He exists for me. It's a simple story. And many other stories like that. But I experience Him as a living person. Not as a concept. My Jesus is not, is not someone that I could uh, just write a research paper on. My Jesus is a person whom I know and I love and I serve. 
and I walk with him. I've I've went uh, again. Actually, my 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 prayer was answered. I did come to a period of financial need when when Winnie and I first moved to Melbourne. I uh, Winnie had a job. I didn't. Instead of making money, I spend money. I go to Bible school. Not only that, I couldn't work. I have to pay for tuition. So it was it was quite tough. But then, God provided. Uh, we had enough to live, as you can see. I'm not too skinny. So I have experienced him as a God who provides when he allowed me to walk through the valley of financial needs. And maybe you are going through a valley of uh, depression or valley of sickness. Then, then, in the end, you can look back and say, God is my comforter because you have been through a period of discomfort. Otherwise, you won't be able to know comfort. Then uh, you will know that the Holy Spirit is a person who encourages me, because you have felt what discouragement is, right? So that God is leading us through the valley of death, through the valley of hardship, as He takes our hand, and we don't want to make a step. Oh, I don't like that place. I don't like that place. It's like a father taking uh, his child. Come on, walk. You will learn something new, you know, like playing the game. New new avatar unlocked. Think now I know God as a provider. Now I know God as a comforter. Now think you know, new experience gain. I have known him as my healer. Of course, you, you won't know him as healer if you never get sick. Until you get sick to the bone and you have uh, no hope, then you experience God as a healer. But such a waste of Christian life if you only know him from other people. You need to experience him yourself. What kind of story can you tell people when people tell me about your Jesus? My Jesus was born in Nazareth. That's not interesting. It doesn't change people's life. Tell me about Jesus. My Jesus, his name was Yeshua. I can write it in Hebrew. It doesn't change people's life. Tell me about Jesus. You have to tell them how Jesus changed your life. You know, we, we are called to be witnesses, right? We are called to be witnesses. Jesus called to be witnesses. You know what's a, what you know what a witness does? They tell what they experience. That's all. They don't have to be convincing. They don't have to be eloquent. They don't have to have good grammar. They just need to tell what happened to them as they experience it. If I were called to witness in a criminal case and I stand on the pedestals and they were asked, so Cornelius, tell, tell us what happened. Tell the jury what happened that night. And I said, yeah, I was sleeping and I heard the phone rang and it was Jason. He told me, Cornell, Cornell, open your window, look. And I opened my window and then nothing happened, already finished. I didn't witness it. Then the jury might as well ask Jason because he's the one who witnessed it, not me. Jesus called us to be witness, not to tell people a second-hand testimony, right? Jesus is good, let me tell you a story. One time my friend, my Sally, that I, we was in uh, this problem and suddenly God helped him. Well, God is good, yeah? Yeah, that's his story. What about your story? You have a story with Jesus. Such a waste of Christian life. If many, many years we come to church and call ourselves Christian, we don't, we don't have a personal encounter with God. We don't have something to tell people. This is how Jesus changed my life. This is how Jesus changed my family. This is me and my bad habit and my sin and God turned me around. I have experienced him as a faithful God because you know what? I I was deeply entrenched 
with my sin and then he came to me in his grace and his love he forgives me i i experienced his love his grace and that is god as i as i know him and only only on that our christian life can be built and only on that our ministry can be built on the confession of the knowledge of god revealed in christ jesus as you know it as you know him who is jesus the the bible quiz uh, doesn't help much in in that department it's uh, it answers the first question about jesus but the second question oh, that's something that you need to answer i cannot give you the answer but if you would let god i think i think he would take you to walk through that valley of something 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 not nice maybe even usually so that you could experience him as someone as a person can i invite all of you to stand I remember the continuation of the story this Simon Peter who gave the right answer you are the messiah living god and Jesus said you are Simon Peter and on this rock I will build my church what a what a compliment what a commissioning that he was given what an affirmation but this Peter this new great disciple of god the great apostle the night when Jesus uh, was about to be crucified he denied jesus three times he said, i don't know jesus i don't know jesus i don't know him i swear i don't know him and he felt miserable after that of course and after the resurrection jesus came to meet him the man who was the rock who was on this rock i will build my church was miserable in his failure because he denied his lord three times but how did jesus restore him with a question Peter do you love me it wasn't a, a test of knowledge it wasn't a, a test of his theology of his knowledge of scripture Jesus was not interested in, in those kind of examinations but in reinstating Peter into his discipleship into his apostleship the question was simple do you love him do you love me And as Peter denied him three times, Jesus asked him three times, "Do you love me?" Peter, "Do you love me?" And upon the yes that Peter gave Jesus, a fresh commissioning was given: "Feed my sheep, take care of my flock, take care of the church." We can never build our ministry upon anything else other than our relationship with God, established in the knowledge of God, of who he is. You have a story with him. Do you love him? Is he alive? Is he or is he just a historical figure who you can talk about, whom other people can talk about without having a special relationship? Or is he someone, you know, I I may not know enough about the complex uh, argument and the philosophical debate, but this is what I know that since Jesus came into my life, I am changed. I have peace. That answer is so much better than all the arguments we can give to the world because we are called to be witnesses so that when people see our lives they see that God is alive and he is in us 
the world likes to debate and maybe you you won't be able to answer the people all the time but what you can give them is the testimony of your life that Jesus is real but first he must be real for you first he must be real for you and you don't have that maybe don't be uh, don't be intimidated don't don't be uh, i'm not here to 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 make you doubt for things but actually it's an invitation would you come to him and say god i want to know you as as a life changing person i want to know you as a living god i want to know you as a real person not as a concept you'll be surprised to what experience he will take you that you would come to know him as a person And if some of you here uh, a believer and you're going through a tough time I can tell you this that in the end of this experience you would have a fresh knowledge of God then you will know him as someone that you have heard about I have heard about God as as a healer but in the end of the experience when he heals your heart then you when you tell people that God is a healer that has weight Maybe you're going through a, a time of discomfort. Let me assure you that keep walking with God, and in the end, you will find Him as a God of comfort. He just wants to show you who He is. He's revealing Himself to you. There's nothing more important than knowing Him. Than knowing Him. Even the apostle Paul said, "What I want is to know Him, to know Him, not to know about Him, to know Him. I want to know Him. And may you have a new and deeper knowledge of who God is, for you, for you, not what other people say." <laughs>